Hi, everyone. Um, excuse my voice. I'm going to do my best here today. And I am excited to be here. And I'm also a little nervous, if I'm being honest. Um, I'm reminded of this piece of advice anytime I get nervous or anxious. And the advice is, when you're nervous, when you're anxious, it's because your energy is focused on you, what others think of you. And so I'm going to try to shift my energy to serving and really to God, because isn't that what we're all here for? So I pray that today I honor God with my words and I share a message that is needed, that comes from God. I'll be sharing the message in three parts. So first, I'm going to be giving a bit of my story. And then second, I'll share two major shifts I made that led to a richer connection with God and a more peaceful life. And then finally, I'm going to give you homework. <laughs> I know you didn't think you'd get homework at church, but I'm going to wrap up with two questions. And I want you to be thoughtful about these questions. I encourage you to maybe even write out your answers sometime this week. Okay, so first, a bit of my background. Carlos shared some of it. I want you to keep in mind, this is the highlight reel version, what I'm about to share with you. Highlight reel. So I was born and raised here in Austin, Texas. I think they call us unicorns now. <laughs> I was fortunate to not only be raised by a mom that had an unshakable faith, but I was also surrounded by an amazing group of Christian friends. Some of them are here today. And it really led to a rich middle school and high school year in spiritual life during that time, which I'm about to go rogue, and I want to address our student section here. Can we give it up for our student section? I get chills seeing y'all worship every Sunday. I sit up there, so I see the backs of your head. But I just want to encourage each of you to keep pouring into each other in each other's spiritual life and to stay connected to God. And I'm so grateful y'all are here. Um, I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder. I worked my way through school. And when I graduated, I received a job offer in technology investment banking. And I moved to Silicon Valley. This was a high stress job. I worked a lot of hours, but also really cool opportunities like working on the Google IPO. After a couple of years in Palo Alto, I moved to Boston, where I joined a private equity firm. I quickly became a top associate. I traveled around the world. I made multiple six figures, and I was in my early 20s. A couple of years into private equity, I decided to apply to graduate business school to get my MBA. And I applied to Stanford, Wharton, Kellogg, Harvard. And I got into these schools. And I decided to go to Harvard Business School. Now, bear with me. If this is sounding arrogant, I am right there with you. Highlight real version. So I went to Harvard Business School, where I was elected president of the largest club on campus. And upon graduating, I received a job offer by Gary Vaynerchuk. Some of you may know him as Gary V, the popular social media entrepreneur. <clears throat> He hired me to be CEO of one of his companies in New York City. I got to partner and work closely with Gary, and I lived and worked in New York City for several years before returning back to Austin, where I was recruited by a former private equity boss to join him in his work again. Okay, so if that was on a resume, on LinkedIn, everyone would say, that looks good. 
Not too bad. So now I'm going to share the version of the story that didn't make the cut, <laughs> that you will not see on LinkedIn, and it happened over the same time period. So when I was 24 years old and working in private equity, I developed a life-threatening eating disorder. I knew nothing about eating disorders, and it felt as if it came out of nowhere. I was ashamed, and so I kept it hidden. Because it didn't fit with this external persona. A couple years into the eating disorder, I was diagnosed with osteopenia, a whole host of other health issues, and I was told by doctors that I'd never have children. I spent way too much time getting lab work for someone in their 20s. I went to residential treatment. The summer in between my two years at Harvard Business School, while all of my classmates were getting internships, and I lied about it. I lied about what I was doing because I was too ashamed. I was hanging on by a thread, trying to survive this eating disorder, but also maintain this life that looks so good to others. And I was masterful at wearing this mask, pretending like things were fine. Right, and on the outside they looked fine, but on the inside, I was dying. I was exhausted, and I was caught on this never-ending hamster wheel of doing more and more, only to feeling empty. Maybe some of you can relate to this: to wearing a mask, and no one can see the struggle behind the mask. I know I had this voice on repeat in my mind that said, "Bear with me." That said, <clears throat> you're not enough. Do more. So, no surprise, my plan was not working out too well, and I needed a change. It wasn't until I took a trip to India, where I disconnected from my professional life, everything else, that I found myself reconnected with God in my spiritual life. In fact, this one day we were hiking in the Himalayas. And it's impossible not to feel God's presence all around you in that beauty. And we were hiking, and the Ganges River runs through the Himalayas. It's a powerful river, and there's a spiritual practice there where you you bathe in the Ganga. And at this one spot, there's this thick metal chain, and I walk down there and I grab tightly to this thick chain, and I lower myself underwater, submerging myself underwater. And as I come up and take a breath, I have full body chills, and it wasn't from the temperature of the water. In fact, I knew immediately what it was, and I was transported back in time to when I was baptized as a young teenager, to when I chose to publicly express that I was putting Jesus at the center of my life. So with these chills, I hiked up a trail by myself, and I sat on this boulder overlooking God's beauty, and I started sobbing, and I started praying to God, God, please heal me from the eating disorder, release me from the pain and the suffering. And almost instinctively, I prayed this prayer that I hadn't prayed in over a decade. You see, when I was in middle school and high school, I was in a Bible study, and we used to pray for our future. And as silly as it may sound, we would pray for our future husbands that God would prepare my heart and my husband's heart to love each other well. So here on this boulder, I started praying for my future and my future husband, wherever he was, that we our hearts were being prepared. 
and it felt familiar and comforting in that moment. Now, did I hear God speak to me in that moment? No, I did not. I did not get a message from God. I think God must have been in Santa Barbara with John Burke, talking to him on the mountain. Maybe God was with Carlos when Carlos was laying on his dorm room floor, giving him the message, Carlos, it's time, get up, follow me. So I did not get that message, but I did get a sense of peace. I got a sense of peace. And I know without a doubt that God set me on a new path to making two major shifts in my life. And I want to share those two shifts. Shift number one was to intentionally put God at the center of my life. And I continually work at this. Part of putting God at the center of your life is removing whatever is currently at the center of your life. For me, that was removing my way, my plan, my version of success, and instead inviting God's version of success. Ever thought about that before? I do think if Jesus could define success, it would look like knowing God well, loving him well, trusting him and living in his image. And as I grew to really know God, that voice that said, you're not enough, do more, it was replaced by a different message. And that message said, slow down, focus on me. Now, slowing down was crucial to me finding freedom from the eating disorder, which I did, I'm proud to say. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. And it was also crucial to me getting off that hamster wheel of working so hard to please everybody else and instead working to please our creator. The second shift I worked at was to reassess how I found my worth and identity. For most of my life, I found my worth and identity in the world. Sometimes I still do, right? In money, achievement, that whole highlight real version that I shared with you. In addition, I found my worth and identity in the foods I ate, how often I exercised, what my body looked like, a number on the scale. And where we find our worth is what we'll give the most energy to. And I gave a lot of energy to those things. I did this exercise once in recovery where I was asked to write out my current values. And you'll know your current values based on your actions, your daily behaviors. And then on a separate piece of paper, I was asked to write out the values I wanted to have. Y'all, these were two very different lists. And at the top of my new list was the word peace, because my mind was like a battlefield. Now, the Bible mentions peace hundreds of times, but there's one verse that I return to often, and it's John 16:33. And Jesus says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may find peace. In the world, you will find tribulation. Not you may, not you may find tribulation, like you will find tribulation. But take heart because I have overcome the world. As I focused on these two shifts, my values gradually changed and so did my life. In fact, turns out the doctors who told me I'd never have children, thankfully they were wrong. 
I went on to have three children. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And the husband I prayed for, the one that, oh, I'm going to cry. The, the one that God chose for me is a man I went to elementary school, middle school, and high school with. And he is the best dad to our three kids. My life also took a turn one day after a conversation with my father. Now, for context, after I recovered from the eating disorder, we didn't talk about it. It wasn't a big topic of conversation. So it surprised me one day when he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he told me how proud he was of me that I recovered from the eating disorder when there was no roadmap, there was no how-to. And it got my wheels turning. Why is there no roadmap? Why is there no how-to? And I remember going home that night and praying on it. God, if you want me to do something with this, give me a sign. Give me a sign. That week, somebody I knew from residential treatment, she messaged me. And she said, Lindsay, did you ever recover from the eating disorder? If so, how did you do it? So like any good Christian, I went back to God. And I said, God, if you really mean it, I'm going to need another sign from you. <laughs> But this remained on my heart. So one day, I decided to go to my husband. Now, keep in mind, I am pregnant at the time, and we have a toddler. And we value things like insurance, predictable salary, stability, predictability. And I said, honey, I think I want to quit my job. And I think I want to start a new business helping people with eating disorders. If you really want to spice up your marriage, try that on your spouse. <laughs> But with my husband's support and honestly God's direction and vision, I did take steps towards this. And I built a coaching business, helping others with eating disorders. I now have seven other coaches on my team, and we've helped hundreds in their eating disorder recovery journey, and it's the best job I've ever had. Now, in hindsight, of course, y'all... <laughs> Bye. In hindsight, I can see God's hand in all of this. And I can see that sometimes when things feel like they are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. And I can see that the hardest times in my life were an essential part of God's plan that led me to the best things in my life. Okay, so now your homework. I'm gonna end with two questions that I need to ask myself regularly, because I'm human, imperfect. I mess up, and I am a sinner. And these questions help me focus. Question number one, what is at the center of your life? I know from experience, God doesn't naturally fall to the center. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Question number two, where are you finding your worth and identity? Is it in your achievements, your kids, your marriage, how much money you make, the things you own, your grades, what college you go to? It's not wrong to want to achieve or make money or want these things, but if these values dominate your heart, you'll find your worth there too. Or are you finding your identity and worth in him 
in being a child of God, in the mere fact that you're his, that he knows your name, he knows the number of hairs on your head, Jesus was thinking of you when he died on that cross, and that God created you with a specific purpose in mind. Thank you.